0: Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Pro Report podcast, another really cool episode here for you. Uh, we got some uh, special guests, some guys that have been on the podcast before, and I think the first time for all three of you being on our new video series that we've been doing of late, uh, which uh, I my intention was not to do them so much. <laughs> now we're doing them all the time. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'd like to welcome Daniel Levy, all the way from Brazil.
1: Hello, everyone. my man. Kyle oh,
0: Graves, all the way from Los Angeles. What's up, guys? And Kyle Fagolo from Memphis, Tennessee.
2: Yeah, I feel I feel like I have the lamest background. Everyone else has cool stuff <laughs> back there, so I just have wood paneling.
0: So. Yeah, well, you have the uh, the cool mic stand frame. Yeah, there. yours is more professional.
2: So yeah, it's uh, you know what are you doing? Everybody's very happy to pro. Be
0: yeah. So the reason why we gathered here uh, is because. As this podcast is uh, coming out, it is the 10th anniversary of the day that Mike Portnoy left Dream Theater, which for everybody that follows, uh, I think, the Prog Report or progressive rock in general was a pretty big day. Um, Dream Theater, no doubt, was at the top of the mountain uh, as far as progressive rock, progressive metal, one of the top bands of all time. Uh, Portnoy at the time still is one of the best drummers ever. And it came as a shock, really. No one had had, uh, seen this coming. So uh, a lot has happened in the last 10 years, which we want to cover and just sort of give some uh, takes on the influence that Mike has had in the last 10 years and the change in the prog landscape that this had. Uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say that a lot of the bands that have come from this, a lot of the projects, the tours, the events may have not happened had he still stayed in Dream Theater. Now, who knows what else would have been and how many more albums they would have done and what they would have done. But um, we've been fortunate to have them continue on and make some great music. And Mike do uh, an incredible number of records, which is, uh, I think, unparalleled. I can't imagine anybody putting out as much music as he has in a 10-year span. So uh, we just want to talk about that a little bit and give, um, give everybody a chance to just speak about what finding that was finding out about that was like and um talk about all the great stuff that's come out so uh Kyle Graves let's start with you you have the closest relationship with Mike over the years which uh anybody that heard our dream theater top 5 from now a few years ago when we did that which is crazy Kyle was on that one and told some great stories but i want to start with you first on uh maybe give a little quick background on on you knowing Mike a little bit and finding out about that news that day. Sure, sure,
3: yeah. It was a shock. Um, so, you know, going back to my history, uh, I got into Dream Theater on the, on the first album, when Dreaming Day Unite in 1989. 91 uh, rolled around, I was looking for it on CD, couldn't find it anywhere, wrote the band a fan letter. And at the time, Mike was answering all the fan mail. So he wrote me back. Um, and I ended up uh, kind of forming a, a relationship with him that's turned into a friendship over 28 years now. And um, so when, it ha- when, the, when the split happened, uh, a little precursor to that, in 2010, when they were on tour with uh, Iron Maiden, they did a one-off show in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. And I happened to be in the area, so I went up there, met up with my cousin, we went to the show, and uh, was talking to Mike after the show. And for the first time, it was the strangest conversation. We'd known each other at that point for 18 years. And I said, oh, so what's next after the dream after the uh, Maiden tour? And he says, we'll see. And that was the first, like the weirdest answer, because it was always, oh, Dream Theater's going back, you know, in the studio or working on Liquid Tension Experiment or whatever it was. And his little we'll see, uh, a couple weeks later, I had this very vivid dream of... A newspaper headline that said, Dream Theater on indefinite hiatus. And it was kind of it was like scenes from a memory, you know, newsprint or something. And literally three days later is when the announcement came out.
0: Wow. So, um, yeah, it was really,
3: it was bizarre. It really was. Yeah. Um, so, for me, you know, I woke up uh, to that news that morning and Mike was always, for me, the heart and soul of Dream Theater. All the guys, Dream Theater, great, of course. Um, but, you know, he just did so much for that band and for all of us as fans. So it was, it was, to me, I kind of likened it to 1970 when the Beatles broke up, how people must have taken that news. It was, it was a big thing for me. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Kyle, uh, Fagula, how about you?
2: So we'll go Kyle, Kyle here. <laughs> um, I don't have as cool of a story. T- to be honest, I mean, all I can do is share kind of what my reaction was like. At that moment in time, I had sort of drifted a little bit away from being a Dream Theater fan. Um, I was not as big a fan of the final two albums with Mike um you know loved i got into them in 99 scenes from memory all the way through to octavarium i was like a junior in college I remember I listening to that at a summer study ab- abroad in italy and it was like you had like three cds and all those things like there's no it's not like that anymore now you have access to all the music in the world but when you had like yeah. a walkman and you had like your three or four discs like that's what you listen to you know yeah. and so i had uh spock's beard uh, what octane and i had <laughs> uh octavarium and uh, both eights, you know? But uh, I I wore it out, love that album. And then I just really didn't connect with the other two, kind of drift away. So I was actually really into Avenged. So when that album came out like that spring, summer, I was like super excited that he was in that group. And I was actually hopeful that he would continue on in that group. So when he broke up with Dream Theater, of course I was sad, but it felt, and I'm not just saying this in hindsight, this was at the time, I just felt like, this is great. Like he'll go into Avenged, he'll do that. Like their next album is gonna be incredible. Um, So I think the sadder moment came when it didn't work out with Avenged. And then it was sort of like, oh, man, you know, what's going to happen now? Um, So in hindsight, obviously, and in some ways, obviously real sad that he was out of the band and everything. uh, But I was at a point where I was sort of like Mike, like wanting something creatively different from him.
0: Daniel, how about you?
1: Yeah. So um, 10 years ago, I was like 15 years old, meaning I was (laughs) in high school. Uh, Wasn't like I'm still not very mature back then even more so uh it was the, sh- the news were shocking to me because i was a fan for only i don't know like five years i was 10 when i started listening to Dream theater and proggy stuff and it was like my big band like Dream theater symphony x uh like neo uh, transatlantic stuff that was and still is my thing um so listening to to the news reading it was late at i think maybe 9 10 pm i was at home like. I don't know, maybe you're doing homework, who knows? Um, and and I read it on Facebook and I was like, okay, this makes no sense. I remember Mike tweeted um, something like, RIP MPDT 1985, 2010, like one of those cryptic tweets. And I was like, what does that mean? And then like 15 minutes later, like the press release came out. I read that, like a bunch of my friends called me. Did you hear the news? Did you hear the news? Everyone was confused. Uh, nobody really understood what happened because like, we got to remember that Mike wasn't just a drummer. This is pretty established, but um, he was the leader of the band. He was the guy that was writing everything they were pub- uh, publishing. He was in, in many ways, the soul of the band, like with the different set lists and all the little um, nuances and details that made majoring theater, what they were. Um, so that was super shocking. like. If any other band member had left that day, it would be shocking, it would be weird, but not as much. Um, so to me, that that was pretty, Yeah, I remember I was pretty crushed. And I was like, uh, as opposed to Kyle, uh, Fagla, sorry, we have too many Kyles. <laughs> um, but I was never really into Avenged Sevenfold. Like it was never really my thing. And they were really popular at the time. I had a bunch of friends that only listened to him and loved it. But to me, it never clicked. It never was really my thing. Um, and he had like Transatlantic, which I loved. But in that moment, it was hard to see, like, okay, what he's doing. He's going to Avenged?
0: Now what? You know, so it was... Yeah, for me, like, that was going to be a weird move. I, yeah. Although I did like Nightmare. I wasn't a big Avenged Sevenfold fan also. But Nightmare, I thought, was actually good. Probably because him being on it, frankly. But... Um, yeah, I remember. I think I was driving, and then you to sort of stopped at a red light. You check your phone, and then I saw mm-hmm. the news, or somebody texted me. I don't remember. Then it was just like, that can't be right, you know. And then you drive home, and you start looking it up. It was pretty crazy. It was a pretty. It was a big shock. The I had experience feeling that way a little bit when Neil left Spock's beard, because prior to that that those 6 years those 6 albums with Spox and, and that music that Neil made there that was like peak music for me at that time. I was a huge Dream Theater fan from before, but I was completely obsessed with Spox Beard and Neil at that time for those those years. And him leaving that band was just like a gut punch. Um and I uh, didn't know what was going to happen there. Uh, and that's
1: the feeling, like when something like this happens, you got to wonder about the future. Like, okay, I think everyone's going to be fine, but I have no idea.
0: Right. And
1: everything that I know about the band's dynamics and the members, is pretty much gone. So we had no idea how like Dream Theater would go, with like auditions and stuff and continuing with new albums. We had no idea who uh, Mike was going to work with. And we all know that ended up like being completely on the positive side. But back then, we had no idea.
0: Well, I think there was a little bit of experience with him having done some other projects. So I feel I felt like at the time, okay, he's probably going to do a lot more things because that seems to be what he's always kind of wanted to do. And let's just see where it goes. So it was a shock well, that, that he much- left Dream Theater and what was going to happen to them. I don't know that I was as concerned about what was going to happen to him musically,
3: I think. I think because... Because he had done so many projects like that, you knew he was going to do other stuff. Yeah, but the the Avenged thing was sort of the the weird. Like, why leave this band that he's known and loved and his family for so long to go to 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 join another established band as opposed to doing another new project or a new band? So that that was the weird thing for me. I just didn't know yeah. what was happening.
0: I think it's probably Pretty for much. the best that it didn't take. Um, yeah,
3: absolutely, I agree. You know.
0: Uh, in hindsight, yeah. And, uh, well, and then, okay, so moving quickly after that point, the first thing he did, which I want to talk about some of the bands that he started, uh, joined, got involved with whatever it is over these 10 years, the first one from that, which I think was also something maybe none of us expected or, 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 thought he might do was adrenaline mop. So,
3: yeah i personally i really liked adrenaline mob um you know it was totally different it was definitely not about the number of notes that you could play oh, well except for the guitar player um but you know as far as it, it wasn't proggy uh it wasn't about super long songs it was about groove and fun and energy and I really like that. Um, and in the original incarnation of the band, uh, the guitar there was a second guitar player named Rich Ward, who was from Stuck Mojo. He's now in Fozzy with Chris Jericho. And I actually used to deliver pizza with Rich Ward back in the in the early <laughs> yeah. '90s. So it, the fact that he and Portno were in a band together, I was pretty fired up about That's it. Great. But yeah, what it kind was, of pizza. It, it was Pizza Hut. Yeah, pizza. Good <laughs> pizza. <laughs> So yeah, it was really cool that the two of them were in a band. And Rich is a great player and very riffy. Um, so i thought it was a perfect marriage but um yeah definitely a little left of center than i think what we thought he would do first out of dream theater
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, my reaction to adrenaline mob i was super excited because like i just mentioned symphony x and russell Allen is one of my favorite like uh vocalists ever He's phenomenal and i always want like those dream roster bands dream roster i always had russell and mike together so Coming into it, I was pretty excited. I I, I liked the album, the first one. Um, I thought it was fun. I had a couple of fun songs. I remember they, they covered, um, which was the Duran the Duran the song they did? Come Undone. Come Undone. Yeah. I love that version. I, I think it's great. It's like great. Every every once in a while, I'll listen to that and some of the other covers, too. Um, in the end, not, not a, a band that necessarily clicked with me, but I enjoyed some of this stuff.
2: Yeah. Well... Yeah. If we're going if we're going around the bend here, I, it's of the bands he's done now, again, in hindsight, uh, it's perhaps my least favorite. It just did not connect with me. Um, it wasn't that it was metal or that it was what it just I, I think on paper, the band made a lot of sense. It, it just didn't gel. And I think that's evidenced by him leaving the group. And I don't think it was like a there's no animosity there. I think he he probably really got along with the guys and uh, it just it just didn't produce probably what he'd had in mind. And sometimes things are like that like i think right. his leaving dream theater probably if he could pin it down to one thing it was just sort of a, a gut emotional feeling like who did he like to hang with better and he was on interview saying many times he just loved hanging with those guys and the vibe was good and it's just like any old relationship there's expert expiration date on just about any relationship and once it reaches that point it's a strain and it, it just i think taken its emotional toll i think had he take been able to take a break like he'd asked for i think he could have gotten to a place where he was happy to, you know, be back in the group. But uh yeah. So I think he was seeking out as much as anything in terms of whether it's prog or metal, whatever. I think he was looking for guys that he could have a good time with. Probably.
3: Yeah, especially after Revenge, because that's that was that camaraderie that he was looking for. A bunch of young guys all going to the gym together, all you know, kind of hanging out. Um but yeah, the big thing
1: Lift the boys.
3: I read I read nothing about gym activity with that. Band. Okay. Oh, that's, you remember, Portnoy got ripped, man. He got, he got really uh, muscular and thin. He said it was because he was hanging out with a bunch of 20 or 20 somethings. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But yeah, I think like if you, if you leave a marriage, you know, bands always talk about a band being like a marriage. You're not going to leave your one and then immediately go get married again. Most of the time you you date a little bit, you kind of see what's out there. So I think, you know, he was kind of finding his way.
0: Well, he did continue with Neil, which was great. So that, you know, I think they made the testimony two record right after and then momentum and then he yeah. he went on tour and, I, and and that's when they got Eric Gillette involved and Bill Hubauer and, you know, what started to, what would eventually become the Morse Band, which was another big, big thing for him, big band that has turned out from all of this. I think the key one for me was that made me feel like, wow, this is really going to be something was Flying Colors in 2012. Yeah. And I mean, I've probably said this on a number of podcasts uh, uh, many times, but um, at that time, maybe even now, I don't know, but at that time, if you would have told me pick your supergroup, it literally would have been the four <laughs> guys in flying colors easy. Mm. And yeah. so when I found out that's a band, that was it, the most insane thing to me. Mm-hmm. And I could not yeah. wait for that. I didn't know who Casey was at the time. I'd probably pick him as the singer knowing how he is now. (laughs) So, uh, it, that was pretty, uh, pretty incredible. And I got to see, uh, I, I, that's a show. I, I had never done this before fly to another state to see a show. And I, I flew to New York to see that flying Colors show. That's the first time I ever did that. Yeah, Um, we were there. I was there too. Because, uh, that was just too momentous for me to miss. Um, so that I was, we were, And I think that's, that for me has been the standout band of, of the last 10 years. Um, we were talking about
1: like the feeling of confusion and not knowing what's gonna happen and like being slightly worried for like the musical stuff. As soon as I listened to the first Flying Colors record, I, I remember thinking, I think it's fine. I think we're fine. Especially like if, if you wanted something more like proggy, you went to Infinite Fire and that hits all the right notes. And you had all the the other songs in the album and each one is so unique um, and makes the band what it is, really. It's very different, trying different things and it's always interesting. So and the first album came out, everybody loved it. I remember the reaction was super positive. And the second one rolled around and I think it was even higher. Probably it went a little bit like a little more on the proggy side. um, And I think a lot of people were happy. Because like all the guys in the band are prog heroes, so it made sense.
0: Yeah, I, I really, yeah. self selfishly, I, I, I wish that was a band that would would be full time, that that yeah, they could same. really commit. I think it's a band that could play bigger venues if they really, you know, pushed it and 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 promoted the albums well, they- a, a lot more and made it a, more of a of a full time thing. Uh, there's obvious reasons that they can't eat purple and and all the different stuff that goes into it but um especially after the third album uh, which uh i think is just an incredible an incredible album my probably my yeah. favorite at this point
1: it's yeah. hard to decide it's one of those bands will never know which one is your favorite
2: <laughs> so i i mine's the first I, I still love it and it seems like people seem to like two and three more but they're all great. Yeah. And I think the, the interesting thing, and in I keep saying hindsight, that's my quintessential, this podcast but, <laughs> um, is that album didn't come out until March of 2013. So there's, there's a period there where, you know, in the, in that moment, you're thinking, I don't know if this is the right decision. You know, at that point, dream theater had had a couple albums, maybe the second one hadn't just yet come out, but I mean, you know, they'd had some, some definite work that had come out. So, uh, you know, so for me, for sure, flying colors is, Perhaps my favorite thing that's come out of this decade, and at that moment, it was really the turning point. I think in terms of saying, Mike made the right decision. And of course, there's a couple more things that that come uh, that really strengthen that argument. But that's really for me where it starts. Even though Testimony Two came out, this is his first album post Dream Theater, and that album's incredible. Right. But I kind of missed it Amazing. in the yeah. mix of all that. You know, like it. What I wasn't. It wasn't so much on my radar. Momentum is really kind of what brought me back to listening to Neil again and going back to that and being like this album's incredible. So, yeah, so, I, I, I mean, mentioned
1: infinite fire being like the song that turned me like, and thinking everything's going to be fine. But now that you mentioned testimony too, it was probably seeds of goat.
0: Yeah. 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 And then, well, Kill. of course, I mean, obviously we have to mention the Neil Morse band and probably, I mean, we're talking about flying colors being what we think is the standout band. And, and again, this is not diminishing the incredibleness of the Neil Morse band or sons of Apollo, which is, also fantastic
1: and winery um, dogs which i gotta mention sorry winery dogs winery dogs, winery yeah. dogs.
0: we have to get to that yeah uh, I'm, I'm in the prog mind sorry um <laughs> but uh uh we gotta mention too of a dream uh if we're talking about uh epic albums during this 10-year period that might be the album that that is the standout and i think mike has said as much um what are some of the albums that you guys think are, are the key ones from from the last 10 years that he's been involved with.
2: I mean, Winery Dog's debut to me is a perfect album. That was I mean, great. That, that
0: was a really probably, great record and it holds yeah. up. It's all it's fantastic. Yep.
2: You got an album where like the, the track that doesn't make the album is incredible too, Criminal, which was like on the J- Japanese one. But that concert, and so to me, it's a band is about the energy and the vibe and that first tour, seeing them in a little club in Little Rock, first time Mike ever played Arkansas, probably will be the last time. Uh, right up on the stage, just so loud. You know, Billy's so loud and and Richie's vibe on stage is incredible. That That is a top five concert, just watching them just blast through those songs, doing the Talis song, like, I mean, what a concert. Um, and that that album still stands up to yeah. me. And I, lo- I love that style, not Prague, but it's got elements. Yeah, just great, good hard rock, you know, just
3: mm. great soul, there's, there's a kind of a bluesy vibe to it. Richie's voice is amazing. You know, I, I always knew him as a solo guitar player. I never really heard his voice all that much. Yeah, but me neither. He, he's incredible. He's live, very kinda... I mean,
0: he is unbelievable, really. Yeah.
3: So that first Winery Dogs was great. Um, other records, obviously, Similitude is, is its own thing to me. That's, that is that is a pinnacle album, and Mike will say so You know, himself. It's one of the highlights of his career. Uh, Kaleidoscope, you know, came out during that time from Transatlantic. And, you know... You guys were talking about flying colors. What I thought was so cool about that band is the diversity of songs like Infinite Fire. And then you had Kayla and Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda. And, you know, it's just every song was different and unique. And Casey was the wild card. You know, he was the guy, like you said, you you knew the other four guys, but who's this guy, Casey? He didn't have a typical prog voice, Um, he brought a unique soul to that band. Uh, so yeah, I mean, as far as the, those other unique elements in the last 10 years, flying colors, winery dogs, and, and um, some of the transatlantic and Neil Morse fan stuff,
1: yeah, incredible. We, we, we haven't mentioned like transatlantic, but Kaleidoscope was a big highlight of the decade for me, too. I know, like, among most of the, the fans, maybe it's not in their top three, I guess, because there's only four <laughs> albums, but um, I love it. It's hard it. to top I think, the whirlwind, yes, I mean, the whirlwind so, is definitely my so mark. But. yeah,
2: exactly. Unless you're Roy, yeah, because it's hard to hard top Bridge. I mean, and they're all good. I mean,
0: <laughs> that's really the only. That's the drawback of of that record is just that it's not the other records. But it's it's yeah, amazing. a great
2: record by every measure.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, that's so, the Transatlantic
1: thing. It's always amazing. It's so
0: yeah. I I looked really quickly just because I was curious yeah. to see how many albums um, he's been involved in and released each year and and in total like kyle i don't know if you have that in front of you. Do, you do you have the number what's
2: funny is i i didn't add it up i was thinking earlier that i probably should have my my like rough guesstimate would be if you're counting like the covers discs and stuff was it's got to be that's like. that's what i wasn't sure so
0: yeah so yeah. sort of counting everything live albums covers discs everything it's it's oh, live too. it's about 37 albums yeah in oh, 10 wow. years okay <laughs> you yeah, want to know what's funny
3: I, I added up the times that i've seen mike in various incarnations just in the last 10 years and it was 37 and that doesn't include like morse fest right. and cruises where he played multiple times with different bands just in the last 10 years i've seen him 37 times so that would make sense if he put
2: out that many records yeah you were and at the so, sons of apollo so, like kickoff show right studio little...
0: so just studio oh, yeah. albums it, it I, I i'm counting cover to covers in in that you know and 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 some of that stuff not not live albums and and obviously that and just in an appearance like the haken thing where he hit the gong but um that's 22 which is that's an amazing yeah, 23 number um and it looks like the most albums he's released in one year is gonna be this year mm. with four plus yeah, wow. flying colors live album making it five the, the so. thing
1: is, it's not a, just about quantity. Like, I love right. probably not, not, I wouldn't say all, but most of these albums. And it's 22 <laughs> in the last decade, right. you know? So they are all great.
3: <laughs> right.
1: And, and that's the thing. Not many musicians can claim that. They're like, yeah, the next 10 years, right. I'm going to release 22 albums and they're all going to be good.
2: Uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> if, if, if you're tall, you release one album in a decade, you know? So, <laughs> I mean. And it's not even that
0: good. I just, I, and obviously, it's different. <laughs> Now, and right. in, in most, in many cases, uh, a lot of the bands that we like, I think because of uh, the different finances in, in, involved in music these days and things like that, release more music than we had from the bands we liked growing up, right? So mm-hmm. growing up, listening to, to bands like Def Leppard or Metallica or um, Queensryche or or whatever, there's an al- one album every four years that was sort of what you what you got right so this is a uh, amazing to be a, a fan well,
3: this the, this was it's funny to hear like the, the quantity of albums this is exactly what he set out to do you know when he left dream theater there were there were reasons for it and one was that he wanted to play with other people and he wanted it you know he, he has an interest in all different styles of music if you can't look at the last 10 years and go mission accomplished i don't know who else could he's played so many styles of music, so many different bands to leave your, your nest, you know, your home base that you helped create. That is your baby to leave the safety of that. Financially speaking, uh, you know, career wise, politically speaking within bands or whatever, he set out to do something. And the last 10 years have proven he's been successful.
0: Yeah. I mean, so the big, another big mark that I think he helped create was the big events. In the last ten years, not to say he's the only one to have done it, but um, he there was the Progressive Nation uh, tours that Dream Theater was doing, and that had passed. And and for me, and I think for for you guys possibly as well, the you know the most significant event was the Progressive Na- Progressive Nation at Sea cruise, yeah, in yep. twenty fourteen. Because listen, for a lot of us, ev- most people I know that was the first exposure to more than a dozen bands that you either had never heard or certainly had never seen. And I think that one event, I mean, look, that one event, this website doesn't exist. I think because of, unless that one event happens mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. And so, that's pretty cool. uh, that's that for me is, is, is amazing. Um, and, uh, I think kaleidoscope for me lives stronger in memory on that as a part of that, Mm -hmm. when they played the whole album as the sail away. Um, And so that's where, when you mentioned Transatlantic kaleidoscope for me, I go right away. I think of them playing it on the cruise. That's where my mind goes. But I mean, the bands that I had never taken was established there. Anathema, Riverside, Devin Townsend, I'd never seen. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, spox with neil flower king spox with neil which was just doing the light forget it yeah um yeah yeah it well, was even crazy
2: you know, it was Bumps even thinking about it <laughs> mike, mike was so busy i mean we had animals as leaders on that i mean goodness gracious the list i mean uh, salvation bumblefoot yeah, yeah. was there flower kings were there the, the list what is a lineup, like man. absurd yeah. even uh, thank you scientist was there thank as scientist like an addition additional band like on the new uh millennium stage or whatever like yeah. <laughs> Playing in like a little tiny, you know, fifty people could fit in there. Yeah. Uh, crowd surfing or whatever during a storm. Um, Mike himself was busy. He was playing with Big Elf, uh, which is an album that probably doesn't get as much uh, credit. It's a great album.
0: Also during um, these PS- th- also during this ten year period.
2: Yeah, crazy. Yeah. PSMS, which doesn't get as much focus, they toured like literally the whole world, um, which is obviously kind of the jumping off point, I think, for Winery Dogs and of course for. Um, uh, sons of apollo. apollo on some level yeah. um so significant and then of course he's playing with transatlantic and then he does this like little Beatles like impromptu thing which for me stands as like one of these incredible moments and all four of us were there so you yeah. know yeah and i got in a hot tub with periphery so you know some things <laughs> yeah. happen unforgettable moments yeah, yeah. we played basketball <laughs> with pain of salvation all that kind of stuff yeah wait did you
1: really uh not oh, me that's right no, i just oh, watched okay. it yeah I'm that yeah, guy. I just watched. Yeah, I wasn't as fit was, as I am today.
2: <laughs> Daniel. Daniel had to be shirtless, whatever he was doing. I'm sure. So <laughs> the oh, other Daniel. one,
1: thankfully, yeah, the other one, right.
2: thankfully, yeah. Right. Beardfish was there
0: too. I remember that concert being. Beardfish beam. Was there Deer Hunter? Yeah, um, that was
3: my first time seeing Bumblefoot. You know, he did an acoustic thing with Tony Harnell from TNT, and yeah. I, I loved hmm. Tony Harnell's voice. So I went to see him, and I'm like, Bumblefoot can just—he's a one-man show. He can sing everything. He knows lyrics, everything. He's a great singer. He's like a comedian, uh, and is he hilarious. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, it's funny. That, yeah,
3: that tour, that that show had everything for it, and it's weird that yeah we were there, we were all there, we didn't know each other yet, and now we've all become great friends over the years. Um, I remember standing next to a very young, younger than you're looking at right now, Kyle Fagula, uh, who looked like he was 12 then; he looks 15 now but uh, he, had a, he had a Mike Portnoyd
2: uh, wig on. Cosplay. And didn't you have a, yeah. yeah. Didn't you have like a Cosplay. blue beard? <laughs> didn't you have you a beard that, too? I did, yeah. One of the nights was like, um, you know, dress up as your, as your prog hero. So I dressed up as Mike or whatever. And uh, I think Mike even came by and, and said hi. I think i snapped a photo with him. But the funniest part was I went into like an elevator, and somehow they like shuttled Neil onto this elevator almost like they were trying to like get him behind the scenes. You know, there's that whole thing on the cruise where there's the people that just walk around and just don't care. And there's ones that like, kind of don't want to be around people. And so they pushed Neil onto an elevator with me dressed as Mike Portnoy. And so we had kind of like a little funny moment where I sort of looked at him. He looked at me and we're like, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) um, but uh, you know, fun stuff. My goodness. So many memories from that cruise.
0: I mean, but uh, talking about some other events that continued on, on the cruises, you had the yes tribute to Chris Squire. That Mike was involved in you had the uh, his 50th birthday, which obviously was uh, was a big deal with flying colors was on the ship and and then you had um, the big one, which was the launching of shattered fortress, uh, which allowed him to return to playing some dream theater stuff took on the band took on Haken again as his as his backing band um, Eric Gillette, of course, and I think also that helped introduce them further to people across the world that maybe still hadn't caught up to who Haken or Eric Gillette was yet so um did you guys yeah. see the shatter fortress anywhere else or was it or just on the cruise or now well, I watched it a couple
1: of times after the after the cruise one with Kyle yeah just like unforgettable the the concerts were just above and beyond yeah
2: the long hair guy in Mexico <laughs> not this Kyle I, I saw him yeah. in New York flew out. that's actually you were talking about flying to see a show I flew to see that kind of like had to see it you know yeah um of course he, he also got back with uh tony Levin on that same ship and that 50th birthday thing was crazy like all the stuff like liquid tension in some form you know yeah. reuniting and cr- crazy what events happened just one time you know what things happened there
0: you know look i think that's another thing you have to give him props for was just creating special moments on that ship um
3: well to do the shattered fortress thing too you know i think Probably most people watching this will know about the 12-step suite and, you know, all, all the songs that he wrote with Dream Theater about his uh, addiction alcohol and recovery. So he always wanted to do that with Dream Theater and didn't have the chance. So the fact that he finally did it, that A, that was special. B, it was, you know, just hearing him play Dream Theater music again and not missing a beat, like, literally. Uh, you know, it was just the muscle memory of that after not playing those songs for so long. I have Haken as his backing band. Uh, yeah, Daniel and I and a couple other buddies uh, went down to Mexico City and it was, I mean, like tears, you know, we're just crying, <laughs> a bunch of grown men over this such emotional thing. And uh, for, for me personally, being a like super whitey white guy, uh, to be with a Mexican audience, like I've always thought of myself like Mexico or, or further south, you know, in Brazil where Daniel's from, like, those are my people. They just feel music like I feel it. You know, <laughs> my, my fellow white rocker friends don't really get it. So to be in that audience with those guys so passionate, hearing this music coming from this man, that was an amazing yeah. experience.
1: And we were like front row and had like a battalion of crazy, insane people uh, <laughs> behind us. And the, the the concert was amazing. Like everyone was so, so like strong on stage. Ross as the, the frontman for that, he just did an amazing job. It was like so many feelings in there like with all the scenes from memory music and then the the 12 step like kyle mentioned is just like one probably my favorite show in the decade or at least in the top three easily
0: yeah yeah no that was amazing to see that on on the ship that was the one time i saw it and uh i didn't get a chance to go see it again but but to see it there was um was just amazing the the one other moment on on the cruise is that I think, for me, was even more mind-blowing was was the last one where he reunited with Jordan Rudis to play the instrumently. Um, yeah,
1: that was insane, too.
0: And we were all there, yeah. too, except for yep. uh, one shorter, One of the guys, I missed it, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but I got to um, see the
2: Prague Report video of it, which is great. But that
0: was, I mean, that was amazing, right? Yeah, that, that was, was just amazing. so unbelievable. With uh, Eric
2: and Connor, too, yeah. and...
1: They were yeah. above and beyond as well. Like, imagine yeah. having to recreate all that, right?
0: And you sort it, of had a feeling something shows was going feel. on, but no one really knew what they were going to play. Right. Um, and to well, and that play that. It
3: kind of it, it harkens back to, like, you know, I was talking earlier when, when Mike ro- wrote the fan letters back to people, you know, and he, that evolved in... To helping design the t-shirts and writing out unique set lists and coming up with these special one-offs, all the cover albums that they did in Dream Theater. And then, you know, he he took it beyond that to be the ambassador for Prague and come up with all these special moments and concerts and, and, you know, events that happened in the world of Prague that brought the four of us together and a whole lot of other friends, too. It all kind of stems from him really being the flag bearer for it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's worth noting you know it's had a pretty significant mark for a lot of people it's it's a lot of strong memories that us and a lot of others that like this music and have followed for the last 10 years when you thought it was almost like all right Dream Theater's had its heyday and and they're kind of over and Neil left Spock's and you know Jeff Tate's ruining Queensryche (laughs) and uh (laughs) and so there's not much left and and here you go with the last 10 years because of because of a lot of this stuff, I think, you know, yeah. which has been pretty pretty remarkable. um Any other any other events that we're missing? I think we've Morse oh, Fest, is a pretty big one. Morse Fest. Yeah, Morse yeah. Fest. <laughs> um, obviously, I've heard Morse based, that. but Mike's imprint is all over that. He's been to almost all of them, and mm. uh and I think influenced Neil and in it was his obscure songs, yeah, right, yeah. and that kind of stuff.
3: Morse Fest. Has- Became a thing because of Mike and even the name, you know. Neil
2: didn't want to call That's it Morsefest. Right. Well, the Mike first was one like, yeah. was actually Morsefest, what like featuring, featuring Mike yeah. with, with, yeah. with yeah. Mike. Yeah. yeah. So very dropped weird. That, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, here we are I on mean, seventh. It, I, I mean part of this is the fellowship of all this that that comes and I think has strengthened I mean, I don't want to sound so self like, you know, serving to say that, like but I think it's strengthened the community of of modern Prague. And I think like the forums that exist, the friendships that exist, you can most pinpoint those to Morse Fest events, I think. I, I think that's the jumping off. Of course, procrastination at Sea came first. I think of that as sort of the genesis. That was the first time where you sat down at a bar next to Adrian Ballou and talked for 30 minutes, like, and that was so weird, you know, or you, you bought a drink for Derek Sherinian, or so it's just a weird, like, what, what? what is this? This is like an alternate reality. <laughs> now for Kyle Graves, this is totally normal, but for the rest of us, this All is, right. is <laughs> weird. Um, but then Morse Fest was like, I'm not only going to buy a drink, I might get to take home uh, Mike Portnoy's goatee, you know, and we weird just <laughs> weird, like next yeah. level, like we're, we're yeah. hanging with these guys and you see them at dinner and you're like, hey, Mike, like, you know, that sort of thing. And just the, the amount of music that they performed in one weekend that had never been performed before and will never be performed again. I mean, for a fan of this music, it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is unreal. Yeah, you know, that is Mike know.
1: all over it too, because you go to a concert you're you're not sure what they're gonna play. That was that back when we were gonna watch Dream Theater. You go to a concert and you keep praying, they're they're playing the song that you wanna listen to and you wanna see. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that happens, sometimes it didn't. I was gladly I'm glad that the, the time I watched Dream Theater with Mike, they played pretty much everything that I wanted. Um And that continued to happen with all the different bands. It has like the the mic stamp in there, his own thing. Like, and that goes through set lists and in the songwriting as well. If you go and check, like we mentioned, like Similitude and The Great Adventure, like the sequel, both of them, you can see how how, like the the structure of the songs has also the mic thing to it, which it's very well organized and flows very well, like uh, I don't want to uh, trash talk uh, modern Green theater, don't get me wrong, but if you go to songs like Illumination Theory, which I don't really like, I think if that was polished up a little bit and be a little shorter, maybe a different order of stuff, then it would be like a 10 out of 10 song. But it, you can see why he's missed, that's my point.
0: We should also talk quickly just about maybe some of the other things he's done, you know, uh, playing with Twisted Sister, and uh, maybe some other things, Kyle. I, um, you may have some more memory of some of those other my, things. Did you Twisted go to, a, to a show to see them?
2: Man, I, I wish I had. No, I didn't get a chance to. I mean, let's let's be real. I, I was born in 1984, so I, I sort of, <laughs> and I didn't grow up in That's Long Island. That's when Stay Hungry so. <laughs> came out. Yeah. So I, I I sort of missed the Twisted Sister moment, but of course my brother was older, seven years older. So I grew up as in a sort of child of the '80s, you know, tethered to my brother Phil. And I knew Twisted sister knew the videos stuff like that. I think for Mike obviously growing up in that in that area that's like you know' it's one of his heroes. Uh, so to be able to be a part of that but I think even more than that just to be asked to be the one that takes over that position and then to do it and then D Snyder even still today you know, a few months ago an article came out about how you know D was given Mike all his credit for how he stepped up and did AJ's parts exactly and, and you know, did it with respect and that's a really like cool and unique opportunity to step in for a huge band and play at these enormous shows and then, you know, hang it up, you know, and, and be a part of what allows that band to to do their thing and to, and to put it to rest in a way that's that's respectful. Yeah, I uh, mean, bit. you
0: also have you have that you have Metal Legions, uh, BPMD, which which came out this year. Um like yeah, so- is
2: Stone Sour too, right? At some yeah, point played a huge show with Rio Stone or Sour. Or like, yeah, it was, yeah, was yeah. Rock and Rio four. It was like a huge, like several hundred thousand people played with Hale. He's done some like other like you know standalone things like that, uh, which is cool. I mean, he's just sort of the guy that people go to and ask him to do this stuff. I I'd like to talk a little bit about Metal Allegiance. I know that's not everyone's favorite from this era. Sure. Um, I-, I reviewed the second album, so I spent a little more time with that. But that first album, a couple songs in particular, uh, the one with Phil Anselmo is great. Uh, dying song. Um, yeah, I like the uh, one with the
1: what, what's the name of the guy in Trivium sorry uh, Matt Heafy and Matt? Matt Heafy yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. that escaped me but that that one's my
2: favorite like metal agent yeah. song
1: it, it it has some great stuff and he enjoys playing with those guys
2: yeah yeah which started yeah, from I mean, the, the the metal masters shows and I mean he's playing with like all these like heroes I, I think Mike's goal in some level is as a fan of music is to either play with everyone that he can or to cover everyone that he loves like and he's, he's getting pretty close.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, I, had to, I,
2: I was just looking up uh, for
3: Metal Masters. That was the genesis of of what became a Metal Allegiance. But I saw them at a small club in Hollywood. I'm looking at my notes here, uh, 2012, in April of 2012. And Philly and Selma came out and they did the first half of um, Vulgar Display of Power. Mm. And the, the whole club exploded, man. I yeah. mean, it was just Fortnite cool. killing remember, the yeah,
0: drums. I remember reading about that. Yeah, Dive back forever there you go it's <laughs> so on the shirt nice.
1: um, hey bro so you were at the Flying Colors in New York right yeah did you re- do you remember that on that same day Metal Masters played in New York as well but no. Mike wasn't a part of that so no. they had the two shows on the same day if I remember correctly uh, but Mike wasn't a part of that so you could only go to one
2: <laughs> and I went to Flying Colors right, right. yeah no, no I wouldn't have
0: I wouldn't have chosen uh, Metal Masters yeah so. <laughs> Made the right choice.
2: Yeah. But I think like the point of it all is, is even if it's not something that's like your thing or whatever, the fact that he's allowed himself, like you think of like a chef or something, like if you're trained in a certain cuisine, you don't usually step out of that. So for a musician to be able to step out of that and do it at the highest possible level is obviously really impressive. And I know for him it's fulfilling because it allows him to kind of scratch whatever itch he's got, which has been this decade. He's scratched every possible itch except for dubstep. He's not done that yet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Still a few months left yeah, in the heck, year. Yeah. Um <laughs>
3: That's why he left. Like I said before, that's exactly why he left. So, I mean, so, if, if you set out to play as many things as you can and you do it, that's awesome.
0: I think uh, what's really cool about the 10 year anniversary uh, coming up is that right almost to the week is uh, the release of the John Petrucci record, Terminal Velocity, which has Mike on drums. If you've been under a rock and haven't known about it. Um, but, uh, and I think that that's in a weird way, obviously not planned coincidental, but um, for it to be sort of around that, the 10 year mark like that is, uh, is pretty cool. Goes full circle. And, and it's, uh, it's a fantastic record. They sound great together on it. Um, you know, from the first minute of hearing it for me, it was like, Hearing the two of them sound like they should sound right, I think that's what we've all sort of said about it, and, and most people have commented. Um, and so I think that that's a cool, full circle kind of story on this whole thing. Uh,
1: it, it's interesting, like, uh, Dream Theater, if you go into every 10 years, the end of the, the decade, something Mike's career like pretty big has happened in 1989, uh, when Dream and day Unite came out. Um, 1999 a scenes from memory which is their big album so 2009 was the last full year of mike on dream theater he left the, the next year so you had this crazy decade and now it's 2019 it was 2019 sorry uh, <laughs> and it was before the end of the world uh so <laughs> and that's it and, and now the full circle thing with with john petrucci right which is awesome yeah we all We've all, I think, in the planet listened to the record and you can hear the chemistry and so many great moments in that album. Of course, it's a John Petrucci album, so it's a guitar record. But what Mike brings to the table with Dave as well is just insane.
3: Yeah, there's there's nothing more important than family, you know, and whether that's people you're born to or your friends that you choose to be your family. When the split happened to see those two be at odds was, you know, it was, it was painful. I can't imagine how painful it was for them. If the rest of us is just fans, you know, was like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. These brothers are sp- breaking up. You know, they married women from the same band, you know, both their wives. Uh, they had kids around the same time. Their kids came on tour with them, grew up together, you know, to, to see them at odds was really hard. So 10 years later, people are still saying, when is he going to go back to dream theater? If he never plays another note of music with dream theater, the fact that those two are friends again and then they can play music together again, that's, that's worth all the gold in the world. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, yeah, and, it, and John has said that it, for him, it gives him the best of both worlds. You know, he, he still has dream theater and, and Mangini and that band who's an amazing drummer in his own right. And then he still now gets to play with Mike and do this. And maybe that's where it ends up, which is right. fine. Or of course there's the there. hope
3: of, of liquid tension, you know, but yeah, just just seeing those guys together and hear them together on John's record amazing. The the, the chemistry is there, you know.
0: Yeah. No, it's pretty cool. It is. And uh, I'm I'm glad uh, I think we're all glad that, that 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 worked out and that we have that album. I mean, 2020 has yep. been a just a ridiculous year for music. If <laughs> we say that every year, right? Like what else couldn't come out because last year was, you know, Flying Colors and Neil Morse Band and whatever else came out <laughs> and then, Uh, and then this year there's a a whole nother run of things and who knows what's coming out next year. I mean, it's, um, yeah, of course, well, there is supposedly a transatlantic five, not supposedly they have worked on it and (laughs) it it is coming out, but that will happen and we will have that. So
2: if that makes it out in 2020, then that's like arguably Mike's strongest year of all time. I mean, this, this year's unreal, very
0: heavy year. Yeah. I mean, a lot of albums. We've said this about last year too. Remember we did yeah i know it's uh it's we
2: crazy. mean it we mean it this year we really mean <laughs> it um i i think it's worth worth just sharing like you know sons of apollo we haven't spent a lot of time on them obviously True. great band uh you know it's probably of picking these it's it, it isn't my favorite let's say but a great show like great albums very solid albums it has a big audience i think it's been you know probably of his new groups the one that's had perhaps the biggest audience and they've toured it like crazy maybe the winery dogs had the bigger audience but similar um and then for them to not be able to play was a bummer i mean you know so i I didn't get to see them on the second tour and that was it was planning to of course and a lot of people that would be true of um they were actually ahead of the curve on canceling because of covid i remember when they did it people were like what are you canceling because of covid they really were and they had a big
0: tour lined up in europe um as as with most prog bands the audience is bigger over there Mm-hmm. and uh, i did get a chance to see them in new york on on this last tour about a month before the world shut down and uh uh and it was incredible i mean that that band yeah. when they get the five of those guys together i mean that's an all-star team
3: yeah and, it's a joke or not yeah it was the last i think it was the last concert i saw before everything went away um was sons of apollo and what I love about that band is, you know, they're not reinventing the prog wheel, but at the same time, they're not dream theater. You know, they're not everybody right. saying, oh, it's Portnoy and Shredding together. They are their own thing. They've got their own sound. And with the addition of much like uh, Casey was sort of the wild card in Flying Colors, Jeff Scott Soto, who I've I had a cat named Soto. I mean, I followed Jeff's career for <laughs> decades. Um, but to have him as the front man adding more of an AOR type of vibe to a super heavy progressive band, such a cool, you know, blend of things. And uh yeah, I, that was the big, the big bummer about that second record. It's a strong record and they got maybe a month of touring in before it went away.
0: Yeah.
2: But they'll be well, back. They'll be
0: back. Yeah. I mean, look, they've, they keep posting about rescheduled dates um for Europe, Uh you know, for it, next year. It's insane year. how
1: many, uh, crazy guitar players Mike got to team with, <laughs> right? If yeah. you go like, I've been a fan of Bumblefoot for a while too. He's one of the coolest guys in music too. And, uh, so talented, actually all the guys, right. It's, it's Mike's official reunion with Derek Sherinian. We haven't mentioned it, but, uh, that was also pretty cool to see. I, I'm a big fan of falling to infinity. I love, uh, Derek stone and his style. And when he brings that into the forefront of Sons of Apollo, I think there are some pretty pretty special songs in the middle there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I, it's it's glad to to see them together and and to have Derek back in the in the prog world doing doing what he does there. I think if it, it works, and that's also yep. a band that I, I mean they're they're planning on continuing, and and I hope and I hope they do. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think that just about covers it. I mean it's been. Uh, a pretty remarkable uh, 10 years um, following what we thought was really terrible news. And um, <laughs> so nice to recap it, actually. I think this has been, been a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, it's been therapeutic, right? <laughs> I, I think this, he, he picked Shattered Fortress as the name for this tour, I think on purpose. Um, obviously it alluded to his, you know, alcohol addiction and things, but it really sort of fits this idea that his, you know, severing from Dream Theater and the breakup, it is sort of like things were sort of, you know, shattered and then kind of strewn about. And he spent the, ne- the last 10 years kind of putting it back together, I think, on a personal level, on a musical level and just on a career level and maybe even on a creative level. And I think you, you look at that mirror now that's kind of been you know put back together and it's like this was for a good reason, you know. Yeah. And so I think that to me is the arc of this season of his life is just. Man, he he knew what he was trying to do here and he accomplished it. And we're all the happier to have been a part of it and to be on that ride.
0: I want to give one one last uh, shout to uh, what he did um, for the Prog from Home concert that we we put on 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 the Prog Report uh, site and YouTube page. And I think that furthered the the uh, the whole thing about him trying to do just things to make himself happy and try out his own kind of music that he grew up liking or whatever. And performing a song by jellyfish, whichever, if you follow him, you know, that's one of his all time favorite bands and albums. Um, found two, the two guys from jellyfish and got them to play on a song and put together this killer video for, I want to stay home. Um, created by this, this guy. And on my uh, screen, he's this guy. (laughs) Yeah. And and here, right. (laughs) But Daniel, our, our good buddy, Daniel over here made the video and, uh, uh so yeah and 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 you know that was an amazing way to close out that so um yeah.
2: over a dozen quarantine videos that he's done yeah. cuz he didn't have anything to do he was just you know shut it up in his all house right. uh so that's what comes out is all these videos and on that specific video which is the one that stands out in my mind and there's been some really cool ones but he does everything bass guitar he sings percussion drums i mean yeah i didn't know I, he I did could it.
0: play guitar actually i i, I maybe i should have i just don't recall him ever (laughs) being put in a position where i would have seen it but i think that's what an artist
3: does you know an artist even if they're at home with their family they're making music and you know for him to leave the nest of dream theater 10 years ago and venture out knowing that he probably was going to make less money have less fame less notoriety and do all these different projects and now sort of like a branching tree you know, it's turning all these other things. And, you know, Daniel was talking about Haken and all these bands that he's championed, things like that. The guy is an artist, you know, he's not somebody who's just, well, I, I, I've made my career doing this thing. I'm going to stick with it because I know it's comfortable and I can make money at it to step away from that. And then to go full circle 10 years later and just be making videos in your basement with your daughter. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. It is. And the, yeah. that shows all, his love,
0: love of music. They've right? all been, yeah. He's they've a all fan been great, above yeah. all. No, yep. it's fun to see. It's great. And everybody, including us, I mean, we're all looking for an outlet uh, to keep ourselves from going crazy <laughs> during all of this. And and, uh, and and so to have more stuff by all these artists, Mike and uh, Neil or whoever it is, um, has been great. It's, it helps everybody get through it, I think. So I think that about yeah. covers it, unless anybody has any last words.
2: Just he'll be at Morse Fest 2020. Uh, the lockdown, which okay. is a whole nother like crazy thing, you know. So yeah. find yeah. find my cast to find a way to perform live, right?
0: <laughs> That'll be his one for if you go, one since one the one time. You'll sit next to, to
2: that Kyle
3: right there. Yep. And if you don't go, uh, you can watch it online. So.
0: Like the rest of us. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. Thanks, guys. This was a lot of fun. Always good to, to awesome. see you guys on here and talk. And this was this was fun to uh, to talk about. Have a good one. We'll see you all. Uh again the next podcast uh audio video whatever it may be and uh see ya
1: thanks guys guys. always a pleasure (laughs) rock on